You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio begins right now. There's Corey, there's Ira, they work for Warchant. I'm Jeff, working for ESPN Radio, and this hour is brought to you by Register Sausage. Yay, sausage! <laughs> it, it never gets old. It actually, I think it gets better. I would now. argue with that. I would argue with that. <laughs> hey, by the way. vehemently argue with that. <laughs> they're they're going to adopt it, though, because it's become a slogan now that the listeners use. Also, I might tell you, uh, whatever it is the three of us are doing for Register has made them really rich. Ben needs to step it up and give some money away because at this point, every time I check my social media, somebody's sh- taking a picture of some sausages that they uh, ordered, food, of course, mm-hmm. and right. uh, from Registers, and they're like, hey, look, guys, I bought 700 pounds for the game. Yeah. So <laughs> he's, he's doing quite well. Yeah, the Super Bowl was a was a prime opportunity. I had a lot of a lot of friends who uh, got shipments delivered to different locations around the country, yeah. and uh, we're excited about their shipments. The uh, the uh, the one little thing I'm getting starting to get a little bit is I've got a couple of, like messages from people who are like, yeah, you know, but I also like this sausage. It's like that's fine. You like we're like not other sausages, but don't send that to me. Like registers isn't trying yeah. to like we're not trying to Ben wouldn't try to put these other sausage people out of business. Yeah. He's we not wanna, uh, Bezos. Yeah. He's not, he, you know what I mean? He's not, this isn't the Amazon of the sausage world. This isn't Walmart and I'm some mom and pop tool shop over here. Yeah. I mean, come on. But we are expanding and uh, we'll have more news on that coming soon. The registers brand is expanding and, uh, you know, just sharing the goodness. That's what it is. It's not trying to take anybody else's business, just sharing the goodness yeah. of that awesome sausage, which Corey, I know Stephanie's been up in Atlanta. So I know Corey's been uh, partaking in some lately. Not this week. She forgot it. 
Come on. She didn't bring any. So that was a, it was a big disappointment. That was a big disappointment. Look, I almost made her drive back. I was going to say, it's only six hours. Turn around. Yeah, Steph. I almost made her drive back, but I didn't. Uh, but I had to bite my lip for about two days because I was so furious. So it's an awkward thing where you got to pretend to be happy to see them, but you want to ask about the sausage, but you're kind of like, first, let's do this thing. Yeah, right yeah a hug. Okay. Yeah. You want me to help you with stuff? Let yeah. me get, get this out of the yeah. car. Do you have the cooler? Do you have? Yeah, what? I kept looking in the car, like, okay, where's the cooler? Like, where, where's that? Yeah. And uh, never. And then she realized, she told me she forgot it. Well, then you kind of look up. You're like, Stephanie, uh, surely you must have put it in the trunk. Is it in the trunk? What? Yeah. And she says no. And then you can't act immediately pissed off, even though inside you're raging. Oh no, I acted immediately oh. pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I threw her bag out the window. This is ridiculous. I threw it in the yard and said, "Hey, go, go, bring that in if you want to." Hey. Stay. But the nice thing is you could have just got online, registermeats.com, place an order, and everything would be fine. So well, anyway, get some, uh, get some sausage, and uh, they'll do you right. All right, so basketball starts today. They're, they're practicing today. Yeah. Here we go. Let's go. I've been watching a lot of college basketball lately in between watching the Bucks win the Super Bowl. It didn't take long. Three minutes and 20 seconds into the program, <laughs> I got it in. Good job, uh, man. But uh, – but but I I have been watching a lot of basketball and uh, and you know what, it's wide open, boys. It's wide open unless we play Gonzaga. Everybody else yeah. I got no problem with. There's nobody that really makes me nervous. It's just we got to actually play basketball. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. It's uh yeah you know it's I can't even imagine how mad like you know, and again, I'm not, you know, we can't go into all the details of, and coach Hamilton wouldn't go into the details of, of why they had this pause. But, um, from what everything we understand, it's not, they don't have any players, uh, dealing with the virus at the, at the present time or have it lately, but they have been paused. And, uh, but I, you know, again, they had just gotten, they had just had another loss and, uh, you know, another loss. They just had a loss to Georgia tech and I'm sure they were looking, you know, forward to avenging that they had that run coming up with Pitt and, um, some good opportunities to to keep going, build on the momentum they had earlier, and then they get paused again. So we'll see how they come back out. I mean, the nice thing is they have this Wake Forest team coming in Saturday who's not any good. Um, so that would be a good, nice run through preparing for Virginia. I, I imagine they would like to have a couple of games under the belt or be in, in a little bit better of a flow going into that Virginia game because Virginia's playing is, you know, obviously better than anybody in the ACC right now. Man, it's just so hard to even like, just get to Saturday. You know, I'll, I'll believe they're going to play when they're in warmups on Saturday. It's just that's that's the nature of this season. North Carolina and Miami canceled their game or postponed it like an hour and a half before they were ready to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's just you know Baylor just canceled, had to postpone three straight games. Every every day there's two or three more that are postponed. Um, and so yeah, you just get through it. Get through it. The this is a crazy goofy season. Just get to the tournament and see what happens because it's yeah, going to be guess, a goofy tournament anyway. I got to say, it's awkward. It, 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 I want to delicately talk about this without being insensitive. Don't you find it? Well, it's probably the money and the resources more than anything else, and the fact that these are grown ass men. But I found it amazing that the NFL was able to complete an entire season with very little in the way of interruptions. And obviously, steamrolled through the playoffs, had a Super Bowl, and all of that. And football is a game where, good Christ, man, I mean, we're laying all over each other on every play. Um, I found that stunning, and yet basketball has been stop-start in college. It's been nearly impossible to get through a week without a ton of stoppages. Um, 
and, and again, uh, resources and, you know, this is the only thing those guys do. They're not in college. Maybe, maybe that's the difference maker. But I would have thought the NFL navigating those waters would have had a harder time than they did. Yeah, yeah. I, wonder if, I wonder if the space of facilities, like, you know, it's not a college basketball program. Like FSU's basketball training facility, which is a nice building, but it's not really what you want, probably. Not what, not what Leonard Hamilton would dream of having in a normal situation let alone in the COVID time, but you just, I think you have so, you know, you have limited meeting space. It's not like you can have, you know, it's not like you can put the team in an auditorium and spread them out. I mean, so I think that's the problem is once somebody tests positive, it's, it's like, it, it's, it hits them all, you know, it's because of contact tracing. Mm-hmm. And so you just get shut down. But I, you know, I, uh, I agree with you. It's amazing what the NFL did, but you could kind of tell during hard knocks, before the season when HBO did hard knocks and when you could see the protocols, you're like, okay, this is yeah. different than what college sports can do. Yeah. This is how it's done when you have billions of dollars. This is- it's weird, man. When, uh, when they got canceled or postponed again, I, that's, I, I didn't go to the dark place I was in like April, you know, when you're just like, are we ever going to have life again? But it just, I was like, we're, God, we're a year into this now. And it just made me really fed up. Not that they were canceled, not that come on, just play. Just that, God, we're still doing, we're a year into this. And it just, like, it was almost like, it wasn't my breaking point, but it was just really frustrating. Like, golly, this is never going to end. You know, imagine, you, get, you get to those places. Imagine being Leonard Hamilton. Hey, imagine being a player. Yeah. yeah, any of those guys. Being MJ Walker. It's your last year, in, uh, well, theoretically anyway. It's your last year, you're playing well, and now you've got your second two-week stoppage in, in a month. Selfishly, and, I've done the thing that put that fans do, and that's you know, God dog it, man. Scotty Barnes is only going to be here once, and his yeah. season is ruined. Our enjoyment of his season has been completely ruined. Uh, the opportunity to watch that growth has been stunted. It's a convoluted season. It's so aggravating. He's going to declare. He has to. He's already projected top five. I mean, it is maddening to know you get this once in a lifetime type talent. And really, it's a kind of a weird, wasted year. I say it's wasted. I mean, if Florida State goes on a magical run to the Final Four, we won't think it's wasted. But sitting here today, having seen very little basketball in succession, it feels yeah. like it's just uh, feels like it's a wasted season with a magical talent. Do you, do you think they'll come back? Do you guys think they'll come back out of this break anything close to the way they did the last one? I don't know how you can predict that, right? I didn't think they'd come out of that last one looking like they did. They look like a different team. It's like the break was the best thing that could have happened to them. All of a sudden, every facet of that team was better. They were committed to defense. They were swarming on defense, in fact. It was overwhelming what they did. And then they began to just shoot the lights out. And all of a sudden, they could make free throws. Rebounded better. Yeah. They rebounded a lot better. I don't know what Corey, you wrote a piece. What what on warchant.com? Uh, what do you think that was? Why did they come out like gangbusters that time? And do you think they'll do that again? I don't know. Uh I, I to both of those questions. Uh I, I just I do think it helps that Anthony Polite will be healthy. Um I like Wyatt Wilkes, nice player, <laughs> good guy, good program guy. Uh he's not Anthony Polite on he's not as good a shooter, he's not a rebounder, he's not he's not the defender. Um, that's just better. Those minutes, like White Wilkes in that Georgia Tech game played the most minutes of anybody on the team. He played 29 minutes in that game. If Anthony Polite's playing those 29 minutes, maybe the game goes a little differently. White Wilkes is a nice role player. Anthony Polite is a guy that uh, can give you 28 minutes on both ends of the court and really help you. So if anything, I think the break helps them because they get Polite back into the, the rotation. 
But then, you know, are they going to go six weeks with, with straight games? Which is right. Well, wouldn't six weeks get us to the tournament? I think that's about right. right. Yeah. So. Uh, by the way, when you bring that up, it's interesting because a lot of guys, and I know, Corey, you've made this point on the show before, you know, guys you never thought could contribute the first time you laid eyes on them have gone on to have good careers or even become integral parts of what Florida State does. And Polite's obviously the answer to that question, where a lot of people say, who do you think is the guy that you know, has wowed you the most and his transformation and his value? But that got me to thinking because they've done this with a lot of guys. It, we've all seen in the last six years or so somebody that you're kind of like, I don't know. And the next thing you know, by the time they're juniors or seniors, you realize he's of vital importance to this team. Yeah. Is there anybody who's been more of a transformation than Polite? Well, different level because a different starting point. But, man, I never in a million years thought Terrence Mann would become what Terrence Mann became. Um, I thought – I thought – and I remember saying this, and and see uh, uh, why I threw it back in my face a couple of years later. But like I, I thought, I thought, Mont- I thought, what I always wanted Monte Brandon to be was like an energy guy, a re- offensive rebounder, um, you know, just scrappy. You're not going to run stuff for him because he's not that skilled, but he can do a lot of things with his athletic ability. And and uh, if he did the dirty work, and I thought Terrence Mann would be that kind of a guy, but maybe you know, but would actually do it because early his freshman year. That's kind of what he did. He was kind of that energy guy and uh, wasn't didn't do a ton offensively. But by the time he left, obviously, he becomes an NBA draft pick, and now he's a guy that plays point guard in the NBA. I never would have thought that after one year. I mean, I got to give them you got to give them credit for seeing it, but I never would have predict, predicted that. Got a nomination, Corey? No, uh, no. You're you're bringing a lot to the show. First question: Are they going to be different? I, I don't know. Uh, well, second a, question. I, I like the honesty, though. The candor is what's appreciated. He's like, I don't have anything. I got nope. nothing here. Look, guys, my 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 work on this show speaks for itself. <laughs> I've been doing it for so long. I'm allowed to just kind of cruise through one. If I want to mail this one in, guys, is what he's telling you in the opening yeah. segment. I'm just going to mail it in. Michael Jordan didn't score 38. Michael Jordan didn't score 38 every night. Sometimes he was, you know, six of 17. Yeah. But he made up for it on the line, and the next thing you know, you looked at the stat book, and you're like, he did have 24. So that's what I'm saying. At the end of this show, look back and be like, okay. hey, Clark did contribute. He really yeah, did. He, I didn't see it there at the he beginning. Clearly he clearly didn't want to be here, but he did a little something more than we <laughs> yeah. thought. Yeah, It's going to be a great second hour. He's going <laughs> to fill it up in the second hour. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. I asked Ira this yesterday. Corey, I'll ask you, any, are you hearing anything at all about uh, whether or not they can make up any of the games they've missed, or are those just gone? Nope. Let me let me answer for him. Nope, he doesn't know. He hasn't heard. No. <laughs> I, don't know, you, I don't even know what you're talking about. You talk about basketball team? Hey, I came up with one. Uh, Michael Ojo. That's he a was a guy one. that I thought should not even play basketball anymore. After his, right. He just couldn't catch. His feet weren't great. By his last year, I know that it ended terribly against Xavier in the second round. But he was a vital – he was the leading free-throw shooter on that team. Yeah. yeah. He was, and he was a big-time contributor on that team. He was a good player. So my, Michael Ojo is my, uh, my answer. And um, I, what do you think, Ira? Could they get one of those games back? I think that's probably about it. I can't. It's hard to imagine getting more than that. And Just it, the schedule itself, yeah. the way it works out. So they they're missing five games, right? Or four, yes. I guess, because you count Pitt twice. You can't. Count yeah, yeah, yeah. Games. You're right. Four. So like Syracuse, Pitt, the at BC, and then the and Duke. Duke. Game. Yeah. 
I, you get you, you might and you play BC Virginia Tech and B, BC you play, um, maybe not sir BC and Virginia Tech you play at home. So I don't know if it's a necessary necessity to try to schedule that one. Maybe you can get Duke because you hey, don't how about, them any time else. Why don't they play a double header with a couple of those? Just like hey, we're gonna run two, yeah, run, it run it back, run it back, baby. What's wrong with that? Those kids grew up in that life, man. That's an AAU life. You you eat a banana in between games and you go play another game. Just hey, do it listen. again. It's not just the AAU kids, you and I, and I yeah. on the streets. Oh, yeah. That's how yeah. we ran it back, baby, all yeah. day. Very similar, very similar. Yeah, now, we might have been, not have been above the rim as often. It, you know, the action may not have been as thrilling for those spectators, but right. those games were run back. I mean, you, you lost, you had your five, I got next. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, you'll have Virginia Tech on the sideline waiting yeah, to see ready to come in. and they got next. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's cool. That works. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think they'll get they, – they got – I think they'll schedule one of those games probably at most. I just don't think – the schedule is so condensed and it's all like Saturday-Wednesday games, Saturday-Wednesday weeks, that you would have to put one in between. You'd have mm-hmm. to sneak one in between that Duke would be open to because they don't have a game the next day. It's just – it's really hard to, to figure out how they could make up all these games. You know, maybe they can do one. Very different skill sets. I'm going to harken back to what the theme has been so far on the show – do you remember how soft and sorry Alexander Johnson was and then all of a sudden became a monster the next year when he, he committed himself to, to being in shape and, like, whatever they got figured out with his diabetes or whatever? I mean, all of a sudden, didn't, my man became dominant. Didn't he get contacts or something, too? Like, so, there was a, he got a whole makeover. He got, like, the Oprah makeover. Well, the next thing I know, Duke can't stop him, and, you know, he's getting fouls called on him for being too good. And just dunking on people and screaming at people. Officials in the ACC are getting fired or suspended because they just can't help themselves for blowing the whistle. He's that freaking good. I remember I turned to my buddy and we're like, we hated him. I mean, we hated him. We were like, this guy's soft and sorry. He can't be that big and that weak. And next thing you know, he's just thundering on people over and over again. So I, I nominate him. Okay, there you go. Well, we did it. We came through. I think there's through. probably, uh, we could probably come up with 10, 15 more. Um, yeah, that's well, kind of the beauty could. of this program is they, you know, the, the way they develop players. Like, obviously, Beasley and Bacon come in ready-made to a certain extent, but there's a lot of guys that don't. Terrence Mann wasn't. Uh, just go on the – Ryan Reed, he was a draft pick. Uh, guys like that that are, just seem like, what are they doing here? I nominate uh, Ryan Reed for the most stunning player to ever be drafted out of Florida State, given his lack of skill and – just the sort of caveman way he played basketball with that line drive shot that was ridiculous. Um, nothing about his game said NBA, and then he except, got drafted. Except the way he shut down dudes like Tyler Hansborough and right. a bunch <laughs> yeah. of I mean, Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, I was happy yeah. for him, and I loved him. By the time he left, it was like, good for you, dude. But when you first saw him, you're like, that's just a big, strong guy that's locking people down on defense but lacks the game. But he hit the big baseline shot. I mean, he you know, he did a lot of things. I think I was driving back. I might have been driving back from Omaha when uh, after Florida State did not win the World Series out there and that when the draft was going on. And I legitimately hear them say, Ryan Reed, Florida State, and I, like, <laughs> almost drive off the road. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? What? No, that can't be right. Did they get their wires crossed? But then, you know, uh, Stan or Leonard, somebody explained to me, like, look – He's the best defensive post player we've ever had, and it's not close. Like, we could teach videos with what he does on defense. And, you know, that was obviously appealing to, the I think, the Thunder drafted him at the time. So, you know, it was cool that he got drafted. That's a cool story. I felt the same way when, uh, I don't know, E.J. Manuel got drafted in the first round. 
Come on, man. Don't be like that. I'm not trying to be an ass. It was stink. Hey, so was nothing about now that. that we're now that we've we've uh, transitioned to football, you're a Bucks fan. What what impact? Like Tom Brady, Tom Brady was a fine quarterback this year. He wasn't one of the five or six best in the in the league. He was good, but he wasn't Tom Brady of ten years ago. But what did his personality in him he himself? What kind of impact can he have on a lot? Does that kind of person have on a locker room? Do you believe in that stuff? Like they had a good defense anyway, but don't they start believing more with that dude as their quarterback? Doesn't that just permeate an entire franchise that's been dog crap for fifteen years? Yeah, it was the number one thing that he did. I would, I would encourage people to go quietly look at the numbers from this season. I was going to say he's a little bit better than good. Uh, I, I, I'm going to note Corey that he he was one of the best five quarterbacks in the league this year. No, um, but, he wasn't. And in, 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 they won a yeah. playoff game where he threw three picks. No, no, listen. You know he, what I mean? Like he's they, talking about an individual game, Corey, and also he had the best first half in that game that anybody had against Green Bay all year. I, I would. I would suggest, again, go look at the numbers, dude. He was magnificent this year. But, yes, I get what you're saying. He's not what he once was. He's not Patrick Mahomes. I got you. And he's not Aaron Rodgers. I got you there, too. Um, but there weren't a lot of great quarterbacks this year. There weren't. Josh Allen had a good season. Um, I, I think he's top five for sure. Uh, he was very efficient. They went through a stretch where they're trying to figure out their offense. Uh, so that, that kind of hurt him a little bit. But I will say this. I read everything. So to answer your question, I read everything about the Bucks, of course, as a fan. And I have a couple of friends, one that works for the organization. And I've asked them that specifically because I've wanted to know, too, what are those intangibles that, you know, you end up seeing translate into wins or better play? And, you know, whenever I talk to coaches and you guys talk to coaches all the time, you know this, they bring up confidence a lot. They'll, about great players, they'll just bring up confidence all the time about when a guy who's got ability is confident it just transcends what they're capable of doing consistently. And I think the, the belief from players to walk into that locker room that you've got in your mind, the most experienced and accomplished quarterback in the history of NFL football, taking the field for you. There's nothing he hasn't seen. There's nothing he hasn't been through. There hasn't, you know, and that includes adversity losses as well as the wins. And he exudes that every day in terms of preparation, in terms of confidence and what he's telling guys to do. I'll give you an example, Corey. Before they played on Sunday, I was reading this little piece about how on Saturday night he was watching a film of Kansas City's defense because, of course, he was. And that's not to say that other people aren't watching film of their, the next day's opponent in the Super Bowl. But he noticed some things about the mismatch uh, on the offensive line and the mismatch uh, between our running backs and, and their linebackers, and he just texted uh, Leonard Fournette. And he was like, this is your game, big dog. You're going to destroy this group. They're soft. There's a chance for you to have a huge impact. And Fournette admitted getting that text buoyed him, just like you got the greatest quarterback of all time watching film, and at 9 o'clock at night he texts you. He's like, hey, it's your game. It's your game. And he does little things like that to players when they need it throughout the course of the year after a tough day, but also when guys are coming along. You know, I saw it in person when I went down the first time for a game with Bryce. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn is a running back they drafted in the third round. He didn't play much this year, but he scored a touchdown against the Chargers, and that game was close, if you recall. And he he has to it's a double it's a it's a you know he has to double up on the effort because he gets hit behind the line of scrimmage. He spins, makes a play, dives into the corner of the end zone, scores his first ever NFL touchdown. The first person to pick him up wasn't an offensive lineman; it was Tom Brady sprinting to grab a rookie 
And I could hear him because it was in the corner where I was yelling, that's what I'm effing talking about. That's what, I, and he slapped him on the ass. Well, afterwards, Keyshawn Vaughn was nearly in tears talking about that. So I think, yeah, man, I think that stuff is real when you're as accomplished as he is and going out of the way, not just with details, but to pick, you know, the little guy up, somebody who hasn't accomplished a lot, somebody who's never been there, and that he's reaching out to all those guys too. I do think that's real. Well, in the, uh, man, I just wound him up and he went off, didn't he, Ira? That was, that was a four and a half minute soliloquy. You asked the uh, question. I, yeah, I, I mean, I know. And I just, I got, I went and got a drink. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I caught up with some core on some correspondence. Um, yeah, but the point of that, uh, I would think you, you guys both know the point of me asking that is because Florida state has a quarterback coming in who has not been a part of this program, who is the most accomplished quarterback in college football going into 2021. Um, and what, if, if obviously he's not Tom Brady, he doesn't have the resume of Tom Brady, but can can one person, and you're going to need more than one person. You're going to a, a defensive ends with like Shaq Barrett and uh, JPP would help. But you're going to need more than one person. But can somebody like that permeate an entire uh, uh, program? Well, we can, can talk. Can let's it talk trickle about it. Let's, down? Let's segue next because I actually like the subject. I do think it's it's a fair analogy. Obviously, you're right. Kenzie Milton is not, you know, Tom Brady. But I do think a guy that has accomplished as much as he has in college football and won and won big and is as respected by teammates um, as you can be at the, at the most important position, yeah, I think he can come in and make a big difference. We'll talk about it next. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. All right, so you brought up McKenzie Milton before the break, and I don't know – you're right, Corey. It's it's tough because Tom Brady chose to come to Tampa uh, for more than the sunny weather. Uh, he recognized that, A, he was going to bring Gronk with him. At that time, he's looking at it. They've got O.J. Howard. People forget that. He'll be back next year. They're going to be even more loaded. Um, but he's got Mike Evans. He's got Chris Godwin. They draft Tristan Wirfs. You have to hope that as a rookie, he's going to be able to you know set it and forget it over there at the right side, and he was. Um, you've got a decent running back. But you had a pretty good offensive line, so he knows he's got weapons. And then you pointed out what they have on the defense. McKenzie Milton is not walking into that situation. He's not walking into a place where you but, go, yeah, they've got a lot of great pieces. But they they went and look, at, you know, they went from seven and nine in perpetuity with many of those same players. It's not like Shaq Barrett and JPP weren't there last year. It's not like right. that secondary wasn't there last year. Most of them, anyway. Uh, those receivers were there. Those tight ends were there. Running back Fournette wasn't anything this year until the playoffs. They went from seven and nine all the time to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So that that is, and I, you can't say it's all Tom Brady, but the difference in quarterback play from one year to the next was so vast that it was a difference of I don't know what his WAR was this year, but his WAR above Jameis, his his wage wage his, <laughs> his wins above Jameis was eight. So yeah. what will McKenzie Milton's wins above Blackman and wins above Travis be? You know what I'm saying with this same group? Yeah, no, I think it's in it. Obviously, it's a different situation because, like you guys said, it's he's starting from a lower point. This is a team that went three sure. and six. But from a standpoint of what a quarterback's impact is, yeah, I think it's immeasurable. And I mean, I think that, you know, and I, I think a lot of us, we, no matter how many times we see it, we quickly forget it. You know, it's like you get enamored by quarterbacks that are big and strong, have big arms, and then, 
you see another quarterback that has a completely different impact because he makes everybody around him better. And it's hard to quantify that. And it's, so it's hard to draft that. But look at, the, look at Jared Goff getting traded. If he had that ability to make everybody else better, if they had confidence in him to be that kind of guy, is there any chance in a million years that they let him leave, that they trade him? No, it's a, it's it. You can't. It's something. It's it's magical when you have the guy who is like that. When you have the basketball player that makes everybody better, or the football, the quarterback that makes everybody better. And so, you know, as far as Mackenzie Milton goes, I have no doubt that he's going to make guys better than James Blackman ever could. Probably more than Jordan Travis. He, he's not going to be the playmaker as from a running standpoint that Jordan Travis is. But I haven't. We haven't seen anything yet from Jordan Travis and he's only, you know, he's has, it's a limited window, but to suggest that he's going to be the guy that makes everybody else better. But yeah, if people want to ignore that, that's their business, but there's no doubt in my mind. I think Tom Brady's proof positive of it, that the right quarterback can make everybody on both sides of the ball better. Yeah. They're not going from three and six to Pasadena. No, we understand that, but three and six to seven wins is of Tom Brady-like, to me, a Tom Brady-like improvement with the Bucs. The Bucs went from an almost playoff team to a Super Bowl team um, with some breaks, but they won the Super Bowl. So, Jeff, so, so going from three and six to seven wins is certainly doable if you get really good quarterback play. And, yeah. and just, again, you, you change maybe a, 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 a touch of the culture. Well, without question, how you prepare, but also how you handle, like, I would say that it's not just the ability to make plays, you know, make right. throws. Uh, we're talking about quarterback play here. You know, Tom makes a lot of great throws. It's how you handle the adversity when things aren't going well. It's your leadership when things go poorly for a half or a quarter or a game. You know, like, knowing that that guy has been there, done that, had success, if he prepares and leads by example, even in the midst of adversity, if that guy's truly that kind of impact, they're going to follow that lead. There really isn't anybody on that roster prior to McKenzie Milton coming in that has handled adversity well and turned things around yeah. in the midst of and, things going poorly. Nobody has. And you can see you can see it early in the season because I mean I don't I never, I didn't watch a lot of Boston games. I mean I, New England games. I just didn't care. I mean that's not my team. And you know and you knew they were going to win. And it was ridiculous watching the AFC East. So I didn't. I mean I didn't watch a lot of Tom Brady during a season. But I did watch a lot with the Bucks because I started watching them with Jameis. And watching him when a guy made a mistake, I mean, the 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 look in his eyes, whether it was – I mean, it, it was like you'd fear him. Yeah. And I, you know what I'm saying? Like early in the year, that set a standard of, uh-uh. This, yeah. this, <laughs> that, we're not putting up with that nonsense. Well, and that's and that's about leading by example. Like you can only yell at somebody like that if you've done all the right things prior to that moment, right? So they know right. that. Well, I can't say anything back to him. He was the last one to leave, and he was the first one to arrive. So what am I going to say to him? He's also done what he's done. But I, I think that's a big part. Like, in in knowing when to get on a guy because of his lack of attention to detail, but also when to put an arm around a guy who's struggling right now. And I saw that too from Tom. Like there are those moments where he doesn't scream somebody down, but rather you catch him on the sideline, kind of walk over and slap a guy in the ass. Like, it's going to be all right. Come on, big dog. I got faith in you. Godwin went through that stretch in the playoffs where he dropped everything. And then yeah. after he got done dropping the, an easy first down, where, who does he go back to on that tough third down play down the middle of the field? Godwin. You know, and then he comes over to the sideline, grabs him by the face mask and slaps him on the head. Like, I'm still with you. Come on. It's both of those things. And, you know, Mackenzie Milton has to come in, and he's going to have to shoulder a, a, a lot of burden here. Um, 
because I, I, I think he has to be the unquestioned dude at quarterback for, for Florida State to win seven games, Corey, because they're lacking in some personnel. He's got to be the guy that shows them the right way to do things. The buy-in is huge. The fact that he wanted to come here and he had other options, that right away that decision tells the other guys that were still here who were maybe wavering, wow, this kid who's done what he's done chose here? And he and he's outwardly said that he partly did because he really believes in Norvell and that system. Time to buy in, boys. Let's go. And you also have to have willing followers. And I I do. And you know, there's that old saying that you can't be a leader until you fo- you've shown you can follow someone. You, good followers make good leaders when they when they grow. Uh, I think that's an old saying. I might have just come up with that to be honest with you. It sounded good coming out of my mouth, and I just flowed. It, it should have been if it wasn't. I need yeah. to get that poster behind me. Um, but uh, yeah, you, so. These, again, I, I bring this up. I bring this up a lot on Wake Up War Chant. The dudes on this Florida State team, none of them have accomplished anything. Like, legitimately, Jack squat. Who is a like? They haven't won games. They haven't succeeded individually. They should have no chips on their shoulder as far as no. You can't tell me what to do. They haven't accomplished anything. This guy, although we make fun of them claiming a national championship, he's he's won his last twenty three games as starting quarterback. He's won a, uh, a New Year's Six Bowl. He's thrown for a gazillion yards. I hope, like, it's easy to respect Tom Brady. I mean, we, we know who Tom Brady is. Will these guys give that same measure of respect to a guy from Central Florida? I think they will. I don't know why I think that. I just do. But I think Mackenzie Milton had accomplished so much in the state of Florida and on a national stage that he commands respect. But he better get it. Just because none of these guys, again, have accomplished, they're not good enough to not respect somebody like Mackenzie Milton or Brandon uh, Moore, for that matter. Ira, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, man, the thing about culture and 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 you know, some people roll their eyes about it and whatever. The 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 way it manifests itself is, it's not like guys. It's not like if if Mackenzie Milton comes in and starts saying, "Hey, we need to do this. We need to do that." It's not like guys last season or the year before were like openly revolting. It's just how much do you buy in? How Is committed? it just yeah. yeah, are you just kind of going through the motions? Are you just kind of doing whatever gets by? Let let me get through this practice. Let me say what they want to hear. Let me let me nod at the right time. But but are you really invested? I mean, I think that comes from being around a guy. And and if he is that guy and I thought listen to Brandon Moore who played with him at UCF and by the way the people in the program that have encountered Brandon Moore love that kid on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about what he can do on that side from a leadership and a play standpoint. But when we were talking to him about Mackenzie Milton, he said, he's like, you just had a feeling that guy was going to get it done. Like you never in a game or a practice, no matter what the situation does, you never felt like that guy's not going to get it done. I mean, we've all been around those people. Yeah. And those people make everybody else better. And he said, he said, no matter what the score was on the sideline, because of our quarterback, we always thought we were in the game. We always thought we could win the game. And Norvell said that same thing coaching against him. Like, it's just that, that you just feel it, man. You just feel it. It's like uh, coaching against, uh, well, you, you name any great player in any sport. You never feel comfortable because that guy's on the other team, and he just like you weren't comfortable, even though they were dominating the line of scrimmage until yeah. it was obvious. You're like, geez, they got Pat Mahomes, man. This guy's oh, awesome. Yeah, it's the same thing that that will that will have an that should hopefully manifest itself with this Florida State offense this year. Yeah, twenty one six. I wasn't sitting there saying it's over. 
you know, because it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's can we? Can we? I mean, I'm I'm going to say it again. I'm going to bring it up every time. A I don't know what Andy Reid gets paid. I would guess eight million dollars a year. How are you calling timeouts when well, you need to get to the? I mean, it just it boggles the locker room, baby. Like the Bucks, the Bucks uh, benefited so much from ab- abject stupidity on the other sideline with the Packers and all their nonsense they did in that game. It, it, you know, giving up a touchdown with six seconds left, um, and then also what the what the Chiefs did. They, now the Bucks were going to win anyway because the Chiefs couldn't block. But my gosh, how do you call timeouts right then? Yeah, well, the first timeout was the one that I went okay, but then when it got to third and two, and they called, you, it you have time. to let it go. You, you have, have to let it go and say, look, there, it's Tom Brady. He is going to pick up two yards, and they are now going to have a chance to go score points. We have, we are in a one possession game, and we get the ball back to start the second half. Do not, and he, he ripped that timeout immediately. He couldn't wait. He couldn't wait. He thought they were going to get a stop. It's crazy. Real quick, final thing on that, by the way, part of that leadership that we talk about, and this can't get overlooked. You got to be able to play. You yeah, have to be yes. able to play. They're not following some sorry ass who does all the right things. Like you gotta, you gotta be yeah. able to make plays. And one of the reasons that I think that they'll immediately buy in to Mackenzie Milton isn't just that his attention to detail, work ethic, his ability to be gregarious in the locker room or whatever else. He can make passes when you're behind schedule, when you're off schedule. He can make throws in downs in which defenses know a pass is coming. Listen, for all of Jordan Travis' strengths, he's not a great passer of the football. So if you got behind the chains, you were kind of screwed. So, you know, you right. got you brought in a guy that can throw, that can make plays. And yeah. so a lot of this is about ability as well. We'll come back, wrap up the hour momentarily. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. All right, short segment here before we get to headliner questions. But I guess to go back and put a capper on this, I would tell you that I think that, that it's absolutely fair to suggest Florida State could win seven games this year. And I, I was talking with somebody just yesterday about this. You know, I understand they're going to be underdogs, but it's it's not a crazy thought that they could beat Notre Dame the first game of the year. That they're ho- hosting that game. They're radically better on offense, I think, with, with McKenzie Milton, that quarterback. I mean, can you get a modicum of improvement on defense against the run? Given all that Notre Dame's losing for their starting five offensive linemen and their starting quarterback, I understand they got a great running back. But can you can you get a modicum of improvement on defense in that first game, garner a little momentum early on, and vie for an upset? It changes your season. Also changes what fans think about buying tickets and coming to games later. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely not out of the question. Um, I you know. The, the whole thing with them losing offensive linemen, that part to me, it's like, okay, that's a problem, except my guess is they're second. They, yeah, <laughs> they've been recruiting offensive linemen. That's what they do. So I don't think it's going to be a huge drop-off. I do think the quarterback's a big deal. Ian Book was a lot better than I think people gave him credit for. You're going to be starting a first-time guy. Um, if this defense is better, that's going to be a big deal. I, and I think I like some of the pieces. I mean, I, Jermaine Johnson's a legitimate Defensive end. He's a legitimate college defensive end that can get after the quarterback. Florida State hasn't had that really since Brian Burns. I think the overall defense uh, has got to be better. It just has to be. Can't and then be, I, can't be worse. And then you know, I think if you have a quarterback like Mackenzie Milton, somebody that can run the offense, we don't. We have no idea after one season what Mike Norvell's offense could look like. I mean, we he literally four quarters into the season, he decided. Well, three or four quarters into the season. 
they decided, okay, we got to make something happen with Jordan Travis because it's not going to work with James Blackman quarterback and Chubba Purdy is not going to be available for six weeks. So we, you really don't have any idea what this offense would look like with a real off season with these kinds of athletes and uh, a, a real quarterback. So um, I do think that, you know, the offense will play better and the environment should be really good. I don't, you know, Florida, as you said, Florida state's going to be an underdog, but with all of the factors, season opener Sunday night should be a good crowd. Maybe the first legitimate crowd in yeah. a couple of years, you know, I, th- they've got a lot of things working in their favor to at least give them a good chance. Yeah. And I think also number one, we don't know what the offense looks like. Uh, and you guys know I'm a fan of Jordan Travis, but that's not the offense Norvell wants to run. He doesn't right. want to run first quarterback. At Memphis, they excelled with a guy that ran for like uh, 0.2 yards a game. Um, he, he, they, they like to get the ball to other playmakers. They don't want their quarterback to be the playmaker. Um, so we'll, it will be interesting to see a guy that maybe throws it a little more on time, just has a little more natural feel for the position that Jordan doesn't quite have yet. But also if they did win that game, and I know it's a big if because that defense, it's got to go from horrid to just mediocre. Or to bad. have any kind of chance. And you just get to bad. They just were, get to bad. Yeah. Just get to, yeah, middle 80s. Yeah, just to be not embarrassing. But a Matt, Florida State, if they were to win that game on a national primetime night, with that dude as their quarterback, will all of a sudden be the feel-good story of college football. And that hasn't been the case since Bobby Bowden was 48 years old. Like, the, the Florida State's never the feel-good story of college football. But Mackenzie Milton winning a game like that, um, a guy Coming that everybody in the country will cheer yes. for. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I, I, The more I think about the game, and that's why it came up in conversation, the more I thought about the game, the more I thought, man, if they could just somehow pull off that upset. It's not it's not a crazy upset. You're not asking them to beat Clemson. Yeah. Can, you beat, can you beat Notre Dame at home on a Sunday night, gain a little momentum, you got a real quarterback, you maybe get out to a lead, people start feeling it. You know, mm-hmm. Notre Dame's breaking in a lot of new players. That would be massive because you know they're going to win the second game. And, you know, really you're getting to a place where you, you just start talking about can they beat Wake on the road. All of a sudden you got a 4-0. Hey, my God, we've never been out of September with a chance to have a season. Can you well, imagine? Well, and here's where in the residual effect, and it's not even very residual, it's right, kind of right there directly, is if you go 4-1, and 5-0 and to start the season, that's – I mean, the recruiting that they're there are the recruiting start that they've already ha- had, where they're a top five class very early for 22. Over the spring and summer, if they can get visitors on campus, you imagine that's going to continue to grow. Early in the season, you have that kind of proof of concept. I think they could be in a really good shape recruiting to where maybe it doesn't even matter if you can't play with Clemson or you can't play with Florida, where the class doesn't just disintegrate. And uh, if you can put together a top 10, I mean, I think they could be in a position if they get off to a good start next season to have a top 10-ish type recruiting class. And if you can keep that together, that now just sets the stage for the future. But if you start off the season one and three or two and four like they have in recent seasons, you got no shot. Let's get to headliner questions. We'll do it next on Seminole Headlines. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next.